Here we have episode 121. Do you have thoughts that make you feel like shit? Or maybe you have a pattern in your life that has recurred for decades that makes your life feel kind of pointless. Maybe you punish yourself with food, or maybe you seem to always attract toxic relationships and people, or maybe you simply can't escape your own thoughts about yourself. If any of these things resonated with you, then you're in the right place, as on this episode, we dive into what it means to work yourself out of repetitive suffering and develop self-love. And I know you might have rolled your eyes at the term self-love, but trust me, this episode is essential listening if you have anything about yourself that you want to change into something better. Let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back here to today's interview episode of the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. It's my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainably healthy life that they truly want before the end of 2021. Now, usually I'm dropping all sorts of summer and heat-related tips at this time of year with in regards to nutrition and lifestyle, uh, but oddly, most oddly, Summer was pretty much a non-event here in Melbourne, so oddly, I'm going to say, make sure you're actually getting enough sun on your skin to soak up that vitamin D. If you follow me on Instagram at all, you know I'm all about getting your skin out into the sun to get that vitamin D. However, be very careful because also, if you're as white as me, it's very easy to get sunburnt and sun damage, so we don't want that either. But anyhow, the vitamin D research continues to show that vitamin D deficiency is a feature of a laundry list of ills, ailments, and diseases, including mental health challenges, things like anxiety and depression as well, of which we're going to be talking about today in some respects because we're entering into the topics of human suffering and self-love. And with me to do that, we have here in the podcast studio, Mr. Blake D. Bauer, whom is the author of the international best-selling book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Each year, he helps thousands of people who cannot find effective support from conventional psychology, medicine, or religion. So, Blake is going to be taking us outside the box today, which is something you know we love over here, alternative and traditional solutions. Blake is a world-renowned teacher and speaker with an extensive background in psychology, alternative medicine, nutrition, traditional healing, and mindfulness meditation. Based on both his personal experience of overcoming deep suffering, addiction, and adversity, as well as his professional success with over 100,000 people worldwide, Blake's pioneering work integrates what he's found to be the most effective approaches to optimal mental, emotional, and physical health. And today, we're going to do our best to open up a can of worms for you. (laughs) So, welcome to the show, Blake. How are you doing? Thank you, Maddie. I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I, I love the, the title of your show because it's so direct. No BS. Straight to the point. <laughs> That's what we need more of because there's a lot of BS and a lot of confusion. So it's important to cut through and you know offer people practical advice. Oh, absolutely. And so I guess let's start at the, at the beginning of your journey. How did you get into the self-love space? Because a lot of people sort of hear the word self-love and kind of roll their eyes, uh, thinking that it's for monks only, essentially. So, how did you get to where you're at? Well, I guess an overarching blanket for that 
that answer is I didn't love myself and I didn't like myself in many ways and I never learned how to love myself. And how that presented itself is I grew up in a very dysfunctional, toxic family. I obviously wasn't aware of it at the time. And I suffered pretty deeply mentally and emotionally as a young man. But again, I didn't know how to articulate it that and I wasn't conscious of it. And I developed a lot of unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms. I got heavily into drugs and alcohol as a teenager. Uh, one, I think trying to fit in socially to be, you know, approved of and accepted and to feel like I belong and not be judged or criticized. And then also, I think subconsciously, I was seeking out ways to feel better than I did. I was trying to experience higher states of consciousness and more joy, more. Uh, good feelings inside myself, which I didn't understand how to find naturally. And so I started smoking pot and I started taking all kinds of pharmaceutical pills that would numb my thoughts or numb my emotions or just make me feel more peaceful, numb my anxiety, numb my restlessness, etc. And um, I became quite addicted to these things and, and ended up selling them, you know, to, to make some money to support my habit. I ended up getting arrested a lot. Uh, at the same time, I was a top athlete as a teenager growing up and I played American gridiron, uh, football. Yeah. And I was, uh, co-captain of the varsity football team with my two best friends. And we, all three of us had, uh, offers to play in university or college, and I got a very bad DUI one night when I was 17, before I turned 18. On, I was on a bunch of Xanax pills, if you're familiar with Xanax. You know, at least a dozen, if not 16 to 18 alcoholic beverages and a lot of cannabis and was driving. And uh, I actually got to a freight train in the middle of the night, one of those three or 400 car freight trains that come through. And I was delirious and... I pulled my car up right in front of the train tracks, put my car in park because I was exhausted, put my head back, and I fell asleep as the train was passing. And uh, the next thing I remember, I woke up to police knocking on the window, and I rolled down the window, and I said to the office, officer, excuse me, officer, was I driving too slow? And he, <laughs> says, he says, son, you've been parked here for at least an hour. So I was arrested and had all those substances with me in the car and got a very bad DUI. I got kicked off the football team, lost all my offers to play college football, and that basically set in motion my dark night of the soul and me hitting rock bottom where I went from being very arrogant and thinking I was invincible to being extremely tortured by my thoughts and the voices in my head and tortured by anxiety and insecurity and literal, you know, literal pain in my heart and, you know, restlessness and just this horrible, you know, feeling inside of myself that I was not at home in myself. I was ashamed of myself. And so this is where this like bubble of a lack of self-love popped and I didn't know what to do. And so that's where my journey in looking for healing, looking to love and accept and feel good about myself again began and wanting to understand the purpose of my life. And that was at 18. 
Wow, that's a, a lot to happen before you turn 18. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's interesting. I grew up just around a lot of crazy characters, and I grew up around a lot of drug addiction in my family, and I uh, had an older brother that struggled with heroin, for example, for 20 years and ended up overdosing on heroin in 2013 and passing away. And, you know, I was just introduced to a lot of things very early and th- and then got involved with them very young. So I'm curious on your thoughts in regards to sort of maybe generational or ancestral trauma, because I remember growing up in a small country town and the thing that's motivated me since I can sort of consciously remember was that I didn't want to be like the men that I was around. Um, and I was different because of that, of that desire. And I remember being around men that were much, much older than me as a, as a kid. And, you know, he was just that way because that's who he was. And, you know, um, this happened to that person. So he's a grumpy, you know, asshole kind of thing. And, and, and everybody, their character was defined by a particular set of circumstances. And I remember being like, why don't you just choose to be different? And obviously, that's a naive um, thought as a child. But you you obviously just said that you grew up around all of these different types of, you know, characters who are obviously carrying some kind of, you know, trauma or pain from the past. And so, I'm curious, do you think that it that kind of thing is handed down to, to us or to children in their environments? Or do you think they sort of go through their own experience and create it for themselves? I think it's both, 100% all the time. And and it's a very real thing. I'm not religious in any way, but that's the saying, you know, we carry the sins of our fathers. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very true. And, and I think um, evolution, in terms of the evolution of consciousness, which is synonymous with biologic and genetic evolution, they go hand in hand, is in our genes, in our cells, in our DNA, is baked all the weaknesses and strengths of our ancestors. And mm-hmm. as the future, as the new generation, or the, the youngest or the leading edge generation of, of, our, of our bloodline, we do carry within us all those lessons and all those wounds that need to be learned and need to be healed. So 100% I feel that I had that all inside of me from my 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 biological father, my biological mother, my uncles, you know, my brother, all these major influences both in my environment and the influences inside of my cells. And but I think, uh, Maddie, you're what you recalled that naive thought as a child, you know, like, why doesn't he just choose to do something different about it is actually um, very wise because that's really what it comes down to. And, and like you, you know, when I looked around at 18 and realized that I was following in these footsteps of all these people who I really didn't respect or look up to because of how much they had screwed up their lives and screwed up their families and screwed up their marriages and hurt their children and, you know, had done very well financially and then ruined their success. All those themes I grew up around. And I did. I looked at them and I said, I do not want to end up like them. Mm-hmm. And at 18, that's what gave me the strength to figure out whatever I had to figure out to not end up like them. Because I, for me personally, when I realized I was following in their footsteps to some degree, I felt very ashamed of myself. 
And so whether you call it pride or whether you call it my ego, for me it turned out to be very healthy in the sense that I really wanted to respect myself. And that gave me enough strength to overcome drug and alcohol addiction without any help really. Yeah. Just me deciding I wanted better for myself. So I, I can relate and you know to where you're coming from hundred percent. I respect it. And both those environmental and biological influences are very real and need to be addressed, and they can be addressed. There's it's it's not an excuse. It's relevant, but it's not an excuse. And when you use it as an excuse, you're gonna stay stuck. You're not gonna respect yourself. And you don't, we don't want to use that as an excuse. Even if your mother and your father and all your family members are addicts, that doesn't mean that's your destiny. You can choose something different as soon as you say, I'm not going to use that as an excuse anymore. Do you think that that excuse that you're talking about is the reason that so many people don't get out of it? Like they live their entire lives with this resentment, this anger. Um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the concept that um, that a challenge continues to show up in your life until you learn the lesson. And I think a lot of people that don't resolve their stuff, they you know, they keep ending up with the with the bad boyfriend, or they keep ending up, you know, with the fighting with mom at Christmas, or you know, the, the, the thing keeps happening until the lesson is learned. And it for many people, it never, like that's their whole life. It never is learnt. And so it's just this cycle, this pattern they're in, and they're a victim. They claim to be a victim to this cycle that's happening to them. Do you think that is because of that excuse? They blame external forces? Yes, and it's because we don't see that we're doing that. We we don't see that we're choosing to stay stuck, that we're choosing to stay unwell, that we're choosing to stay unhappy. And the thing is, is that... When you've had a, a, a tough upbringing or toxic parents, that's very real. And you're that 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 inner child, that that vulnerable part of you that feels powerless, is valid because you were dependent on and stuck in a toxic environment. And and for most of your life, you couldn't do anything about it because you needed these people to put food and water and, and shelter, et cetera. You had no other option. But yeah. as we mature and we become adults and you can go to work and you can go to school, you become, you have more power. And so one of the biggest parts of healing and taking healing all the way is the realization that to, to really have the life you want, you have to be willing to take 100% responsibility for everything. And how you start to do that with your thinking is to think thoughts like, you know, I didn't know better, and as a child I couldn't do anything, but now I can, and now I do know better. So the key is to not basically let yourself get hurt anymore and not hurt yourself anymore. And that's where self-love comes in, is understanding how not to hurt yourself anymore with your thoughts, your relationship to your emotions, and your behavior, and how not to let yourself get hurt by people who are not healthy for you, which means sticking up for yourself, removing yourself from toxic environments, which at a certain point, you know, once you get to be 16, 17, 18, into your 20s, these are all things you can do. We just never learned how to not hurt ourselves and not let ourselves get hurt, aka we never learned how to take really good care of ourselves with our thoughts, our emotions, how we express ourselves, our behavior. And so when you're looking at this, you have a choice. And you have to choose. We have to choose between self-respect and self-pity. And you can't have both. 
So at some point, you got to come face to face with yourself. And, and I know it can be hard to see the forest from the trees when you're stuck in this under a dark cloud. But eventually you have to realize, you know, no one's coming to get me, right? No one's coming to fix you or save you or heal you. Your parents and the people who abused you are likely not going to change. They probably will never say they're sorry. They'll probably never understand how much damage they did. So for me, coming from a toxic environment like that and, and continuing to have challenges all throughout even my adult life with my family of origin, I think the the framework is I have to do whatever it takes to make my life worth living. I have to do whatever it takes to justify all that pain I went through. Because if you don't figure out right how to make your life worth living, there's always going to be that poor me. And nobody wants to live like that. So but we have to figure out how to make it, make it all worth it. How to say, you know what? Yes, that was all so hard and so painful. And nobody probably gets it. Nobody probably even really fully understands what I went through. But I am going to go live my life in a way that is so true to me. I am going to follow my heart. I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to do the things that light me up. I'm going to find kindred spirits because they're out there. People who value kindness, who value authenticity, who value a spiritual connection. And I'm going to take such good care of my health and my happiness. And I'm not going to let anybody or anything take my health or my happiness away from me anymore. And so it's like... You know, I'm a believer that our parents have us for selfish reasons. It was never about us. It was all their own self, selfish drives, selfish motives that actually brought us into the world. It was never about us to begin with. And so we have every right to selfishly go figure out how to enjoy our lives and make it worth living. And I think that's like the push that a lot of us need, the permission you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's a really interesting point about selfishness because I just went uh, from our parents, you know, giving, making, creating life. Um, because I thought back, oh, maybe in tribes beforehand that it wasn't so selfish. But then I remember that you know when a couple made a baby in tribes that it was very strategic. And this was before birth control. They had they had their own methods of birth control, you know, years and years and years ago. But um but they added another member because there was a new there was a task that needed to be done or a warrior had died and it was really strategic. So I'm actually trying to scan my brain in history where it just came out of the goodness of wanting to produce life. But actually in most cases it was purposeful. Yeah if you and if we analyze this, this is one of my favorite insights because when you're learning to take good care of yourself and love yourself and take care of your health and your happiness, everybody comes up against guilt for wanting to love yourself. Like, am I being too selfish? Am I putting myself first? Shouldn't I do more for my parents or my friends or my partner or my boss? Like, how much self-care is too much? So this is a, a big, big question that people grapple with. And when I started to analyze it and I looked beyond myself to nature, What you see is that nature is actually designed to thrive 
on self-preservation and selfishness. And that's how anything in nature actually becomes of benefit to its environment. So I always go back to the apple tree. If the apple tree doesn't selfishly take what it needs from the earth, right, from the atmosphere, from the sun, it can't grow strong to then produce an abundance of apples and leaves and oxygen and shade and firewood, etc. And we're the same way. And when you look at, I love this triggers obviously parents and people very deeply because at my retreats and in my book I talk about this topic of when you think about your parents and you think about them conceiving you, I say to people, I want to think about your mom and dad and ask yourself, why did they have you? Like literally, why did they have you? And whenever you any answer that anybody gives, I can show you how that answer is selfish. So whether it's it was an accident, which is more than half the time, it wasn't planned, mm-hmm. right? Or I wanted to keep your father, or I, I didn't want to lose your mother, or I wanted to have a purpose, or that's what everybody else was doing, or I wanted to have something to love, or I wanted to have something to take care of me. Every single reason is selfish. And the most altruistic reason I want to bring a child into the world because I, I can give it everything that it needs and be a great parent and give it a great life and I'm sure it'll make the world a better place. But who wants that? The parent. The, the child's not saying, I want you to do this for me. So it's always selfish. And what I've realized is that if you broaden your perspective, nature and the universe is actually a system that is based on selfishness and self-love. And even if you look, for example, at the sun, the sun's relationship to the earth, you can interpret the sun's uh, energy coming constantly at the earth as unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives all life, all energy to the planet. So the universe is really a self and it, and it functions on this healthy relationship to itself. And human beings just have a very dysfunctional relationship to itself, which has gotten worse as the years have gone on, as we've been educated away from our true nature and educated away from nature. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it, as you know, everything comes back to perspective, right? The lens through which we look at any topic. And so... We are selfish, and what I like to talk about is that we just all grew up and learned what I call unhealthy selfishness, Mm -hmm. which is this self-destructive relationship to ourselves, which manifests as a toxic relationship to other people and to the environment because we never had examples of healthy selfishness, which is where you know how to take care of your thoughts, where you know how to express your emotions, where you know how to take care of your body and use your body in a healthy way and thus treat people people well and treat the environment well because you know that there's no separation between you and them and you and the environment. Hey, hey, my listeners, what's up? If you're enjoying the episode thus far, please consider writing a review and dropping in five stars on the Apple podcast page of this show as it really does help the visibility of the podcast to guide other people to find it. And as well, it helps other curious people just like yourself prior to tuning into the show to see whether or not this podcast is a good fit. And I, of course, hope that it is. And so that's really the best way to support our work and what we do here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. Oh, and I also love seeing you share the episode on Twitter 
Instagram or Facebook, and I often reshare those posts. So be sure to give me a tag at Matty Lansdowne. Okay, let's get back into the episode. You bring up a really good point there about learning how to do all of these different things and finding things in our environment that is reflective of love and environment. So I work a lot with people in nutrition uh, that are heavily damaged by many decades of diet culture. And it's gotten to the point where that the, the way that they understand who they are and their identity, you know, is around these habits that are not fulfilling them to be the greatest version of themselves. And, and as you said earlier on, you know, these experiences when we were kids uh, did happen. They were real and they were painful. And so we grow up looking at ourselves in the mirror and we only see ourselves as the person that argues repetitively over a particular issue or that has the particular partner that's not good for us. And so, like, how do you begin to see or because you've essentially got to artificially manufacture in your mind a a version of you that you don't currently have faith that in that you reflects who you truly are so because you've never been that person so and that's like with diet culture right is that people start to develop these healthy habits and then they freak out it feels so uncomfortable and unnatural and i'm not a healthy person you know I, i should go back to shame eating or punishing myself with food and so because that's actually who they were the challenge of being someone different is really you know is is massive it's a massive challenge and so what what do you think what what's that thing that needs to, needs to happen to get you unstuck do you need to manufacture an artificial uh reality in your mind that you need to work towards no you don't and and it's it, what's beautiful is that the solution to all of this and it ties all this together is so simple and it's the same thing mm-hmm. which is that basically when we've grown up in the way you've just described, we grow up with this feeling of, I don't really matter. My feelings don't matter. My, my heartbreak that I've experienced doesn't matter. My needs don't matter. My desires don't matter. Nobody really cares about me, right? And then, so on top of that feeling, because our parents are struggling with their own stuff and they don't know how to show up for us, so they can't show up, they can't show up for us and they can't teach us how to show up for ourselves. So not only are we feeling that we don't matter, we never learned how to take care of ourselves, aka we never learned how to value ourselves and validate these parts of ourselves and say, I'm worthy of feeling good every day. I'm worthy of this kind of health. I'm worthy of happiness. I'm, I'm worthy of feeling good about my body and how I look in the mirror. And so where it all really goes back to is learning how to say what I feel matters, what I need matters, what I want matters. And this is the one reason, Maddie, you're going to love this, why diets never work, okay? Because if I live today in a way where I don't talk about my feelings in a healthy way, I don't talk about my needs, I don't talk about my desires, I'm constantly trying to please others to keep the peace or to get love or to stay secure or to not cause problems or I'm so internalized and repressed that I have no idea what's going on inside of me and I'm just kind of drifting and maybe by this point I'm on a bunch of antidepressants and I drink a lot, I drink a lot of wine every night or I overeat, so I'm just numbing my emotions, I'm numbing my needs, I'm numbing my dreams. I'm existing in this state of being where I feel like I don't matter and you kind of become a nihilist subconsciously, nothing really matters. And so the sentiment is, 
When you live every day not knowing how to talk about your feelings, not knowing how to talk about your needs, not knowing how to talk about your dreams and then act in alignment and follow them and honor them and value that deep inner world, you're in effect saying none of this matters. Your heart, you feel, I don't matter. So then what, what, what grows from this feeling in your heart of I don't matter, what's the point of taking care of my physical body and my physical health, what's the point of trying to prolong my biological existence if I feel I don't matter? Because when we feel in our heart that we don't matter subconsciously, nobody wants to really be here. Mm -hmm. So when you feel you don't matter, that nobody cares about your feelings, that nobody cares about your needs, that nobody cares about your dreams or your purpose, Deep down, you feel you don't really want to be alive. Like, there's no point to any of this. And so the subconscious sentiment that grows that holds people back is, what's the point of taking care of my physical body when I don't really want to be here? I don't want to prolong this life because I don't feel this matters. I actually don't really like being here. And a lot of people deep down don't like being alive. And the root cause is because they don't feel that in their heart, who they are, the non-physical self, their true self, they don't feel it matters. But what we never learned and what I had to learn coming from this deep, dark place myself you know, I had body image issues, insecurities, food addiction. I used to not eat. I used to eat too much and throw up. I went through all of it. Is that I just, I didn't know how to matter to myself. I didn't ever learn how to say, Blake, your feelings matter. Your feelings are valid. Your needs matter. Your purpose on this planet matter. Your dreams matter. Because again, I'm the only one who can say that to make my life worth living. And so every day that you say, my feelings matter, my needs matter, my dreams matter, and you listen to that and you honor that with what you say and what you do on a daily basis, then you think, you know what? I want to feel good in my body. I want to take care of this body because I like feeling good. I don't like feeling like shit. So I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm going to exercise because you know what? I matter. I matter to myself. Even if nobody else cares, it matters to me. And that's really the heart of this. We got to get to that point where it's not about anybody else. It's about saying, I matter. This matters because whether I'm suffering today or having a good day matters to me. You know, feeling good in my body, feeling good in my heart, feeling good in my mind, it matters to me because I am the one who has to live with myself. And then your lifestyle becomes sustainable. You don't want to drink too much because it brings your vibe down and you feel depressed. You don't want to eat that fried food because you're in touch with your body and your feelings and you notice the indigestion doesn't feel good. So I'd rather just eat the thing that doesn't leave me suffering or feeling bad about myself. And so it's this gradual process of getting used to feeling good and being like, very literally, I don't want to put anything in my body that makes me feel unwell anymore. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I think you put that in a nice package. It's kind of like, if I don't have a life that I believe is worthwhile, why would I look after it? Exactly. And it all comes back to saying, my. it starts with my feelings matter. My needs matter. Even if it pisses everybody off, even if, you know, everybody's so used to you staying quiet or pleasing them, you got to start saying you matter too. 
You have needs too. You have feelings too. It's not just about your mother and your father. It's not just about your partner. It's not just about your friends. It's not just about your clients because even those of us in the helping profession, we have a tendency to be very good at being there for other people but not valuing ourselves enough. Absolutely. And speaking of the helping professions, I know that you help a lot of people that conventional psychology doesn't work for. Like what is missing in conventional psychology that doesn't enable people to achieve this state of self-love and, and respect for themselves and you know figuring out how they can best contribute to their own environment? Well, I think there's a, there's a few things. Um, one is the, the framework. You know, like we were talking about earlier, our, our conditioning and where civilization is today, we have conditioned ourselves to be very much in the head, very intellectual, coming from our educational system and, and upbringing. And so I think a lot of the psychological frameworks are fascinating and interesting, but they're very pigeonholed, and so they're not that effective. So again, the mindset, your whole philosophy, your whole worldview is going to determine the efficacy with which you approach yourself and another person and treatment or the advice that you give. So I think a lot of the the education and the philosophies that are taught in bachelor, you know, graduate and even PhD programs are lacking and they're pigeonholed because they're just so focused in the mind and the mind becomes like a maze that people just run around in circles and stay lost in the head. And it's like the saying, you can't, uh, so you can't, uh, you can't find the solution to the problem at the same level that the problem was created at. You need to be able to look at things from a different perspective. So, so the thing that comes with that is that there's not enough body awareness in a lot of modern psychology. It's starting to evolve into somatic psychology and transpersonal psychology because your physical body is your subconscious mind, meaning that all your repressed emotions and trauma and pain from your life is stored throughout your entire physical body, which is your subconscious mind. So any type of therapy that's just talk therapy that doesn't integrate something that can literally unlock the subconscious, which has to be something like yoga, massage, I teach Qigong, acupuncture, you need a physical complement to unlock the subconscious. So in all my retreats, for example, I teach Qigong, which very powerfully unlocks stuck blood, stuck emotion, and stuck energy in the body. And in my view, one way to look at disease is that disease can be reduced to stuck blood, stuck energy, and stuck emotion in the body, which goes back to Chinese medicine and the theories of disease coming from stagnation in the flow of blood, uh, lymphatic fluid, and your, basically your immune system not, not flowing and functioning properly because your immune cells can't get to where they need to go because your system is so clogged up with toxins and dead blood and um, waste that you're not releasing uh, from your body, so so it's it's the it's the framework that we have of thinking about how to help someone. It's not integrating enough physical uh, work to release the subconscious, which which is the body. I think that. The, the third big thing is that as a therapist or a helper, right, it doesn't matter how great our intentions are or if you've got a doctorate, 
you can really only help someone to the degree that you've crossed those those parts of yourself, that you've explored those parts of yourself. So I often talk about there are people who study the maps and they're experts on the maps. You know, they've read every book on the map there is. They've written a thesis and their dissertation on the map. But that's not the same as walking the terrain. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between studying the map and walking the terrain. And so I believe as a helping professional, you have to constantly be doing your own work on your own self-awareness, your own self-healing, your own self-actualization so that you can say to your clients or the people you work with, take my hand. You know, I, I walk through that valley and this is how I found my way out. I wanted to see what was at the top of the mountain and this is how I got there. Let me show you. Yeah. And, and that's very different than coming from this place of, you know, I'm, 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 I'm perfect or I'm healthy and there's something wrong with you. And people can feel that when you come from that place versus here's another human being who has been through life and suffered and then found ways to be healthy and happy and simply wants to share them with me. There's a very big difference. And people can, even if they can't articulate it, they can sense when someone's coming from their ego in that way versus someone who really just wants them to help them. I often say on the show that uh, like Western medicine, I've worked in a hospital for a long time, uh, is the worst form of, of medical leadership because it says, do as I say, not as I do, because there's so many overweight doctors, you know, so many unhealthy nurses, so many unhealthy scientists. And, and I think the one, one of the great things about these alternative fields um, of, you know, somatic psychology or nutritional medicine or, any, you know, any of the fields that you or I play in is that it's very much lead by example. It's like, you know, this is how it's done because I've done it before. And, and I think that's so, so important to be led by someone that can actually do the work because, you know, what's the point of following someone who can't do the work? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then I think the other part of this conversation, Maddie, is that we live in a time where a lot of people uh, reject a concept like self-love as a key to healing because we don't feel that there's enough of a scientific basis to that type of logic, which is actually not true. And now more than ever, there's lots of science coming out in terms of when you're in a state of love versus a state of fear and stress, what that does to the chemicals in your body, to the structure of water in your body, um, to the hormones that gets get released into your body. And again, for me, as someone who has studied many forms of medicine, alternative medicine, um, you know, treatment modalities, for me, the healthiest worldview is that all healing really is about learning how to love and value and take care of yourself. So that's with the food that you eat, the thoughts that you think, how you express your emotions, you know, your habits on a daily basis. And that, it's actually very simple. It just feels hard because we never learn those things. And then we we live in this world where we've been educated away from that type of instinct. 
And we think that things have to be so complicated. And that keeps us really stuck. So again, for me, that's the beginning of my therapeutic model is, you know, this is all about learning how to take very good care of our thoughts, our emotions, our body, which means to love and value yourself. And that happens to be the key to loving other people in a healthy way. It happens to be the key to treating the environment right because you realize that the tree is, that gives oxygen to the environment is not separate from my lungs. And, you know, the, the river and the ocean that, you know, I get my water from is not separate from my body, which sustains my life, or the, the, the land that I pollute with pesticides or genetically modified organisms, I think is separate from me, but it's not. And so we just live in this time where there's just a lot of confusion. We have great advances, right, in, in science and technology and our understanding and how to make our time on the planet easier and more efficient. But then some of us have just gotten so far away from who we are and what matters and what's healthy for us at the same time. So um, I always say it's not the thing itself that's bad or evil. It's our relationship to it. You know, like wine or chocolate, they're not evil. They're not bad. It's our relationship to it. It's that space between us and it that is either filled with a healthy relationship or a toxic relationship. And so everything to me really comes back to how healthy is your relationship to yourself. And that determines the health of your relationship to everyone and everything outside of you. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're sharing some really great wisdom. And I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of aha moments listening to everything you've shared today. And, and, and when they do, where can they go next to find you online and maybe your book as well? Well, I think, thank you. Well, I'd say go to Amazon and the book is You Were Not Born to Suffer. And it's also on you know iTunes and Audible and it's cheap and it's helped a lot of people. And it often helps a lot of people that can't find good help from a therapist or a doctor or their religious leader. So go check it out. It's very confronting. It's very practical. Um, after every chapter, I ask you very confronting questions, which basically unlock stuck emotion inside of you from the past, past pain, past trauma, uh, past heartbreak, secrets. And then it also unlocks all the good stuff too, like the things that you love, the things that bring you joy, the things that you've been denying that will make your life meaningful and make you want to be here and take care of yourself like we were talking about earlier. So that's that's the most important thing because I just want people to enjoy their time here because I know what it's like to not and to be desperate to figure it out. Yeah, thanks, Blake. That's great. So I'll put all of your links and handles and whatnot in, in the show notes below for everybody to check out. And I really encourage you. Obviously, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and remember, if you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and share it with a friend, share it to your social media story, give us all a tag so we know who's watching and we'll be able to share it as well. Um, and before we finish, Blake, because we've sort of talked about all of this and I know there's aha moments happening all over the place for people, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about to get started on this journey? I would say that because we haven't talked about the meditation side a lot or thinking the thought process a lot, but a lot of people are not aware that you're not your thoughts and you're not the voice in your head. 
And in the beginning of your healing journey, you believe everything that you think. So I would say, don't believe everything you think. Learn some meditation so that you can see that you are not just the voice in your head. You're not just your thoughts. You are much bigger than that. Your consciousness, your awareness, your soul is much bigger than that. And then when you get in touch with that type of awareness, you actually have a superpower that you don't know about, which is that you can choose your thoughts. And so that means you can choose thoughts based on whether they lead you to the life you want or lead you to suffering. And you can actually master choosing thoughts and focusing your mental attention on the things that make you feel good, that make you feel alive, that make you feel well, and that represent you creating the exact type of life experience that you want. But you have to be able to step back and have some space between your awareness and the voices in your head first to realize you have this superpower. Because right now, you're using your superpower to hurt you instead of help you. And I want you to use your superpowers to heal you and to have a great life. Amazing, Blake. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Maddie. Thanks for having me. I've absolutely loved hanging out and we'll have to get you on again soon. Oh, thank you. I would love that. Wonderful. All right, gang. We'll uh, catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.